right in front of him. Crowder looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome to episode three of the Just Basketball Show here on February 1st. You can subscribe and follow wherever you're finding our show. We are happy to be back. We're going to be Monday and Wednesday going forward. If you've listened already, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit subscribe, follow whatever podcast platform of your choice. Rate and subscribe us. Follow at Just B-Ball Fans on TikTok. Follow us at Just Basketball Show on Instagram. I am Brendan Clean. That is Chris Manning. We have a big show to get to because this conference is unhinged, Chris. We're going to talk about the top contenders in the Western Conference. We did the East on Monday, on Tuesday, and this conference, I don't think we're even going to be able to sift through to get to as few teams as we were able to get to in the East. There's like eight or nine teams in this Western Conference, I think, that uh, have a claim. What we did in the last show was predict the final four. That's what we're going to do today. We have to get our, our predictions on the record, Chris. I'm not going to let you get away with this one either. Um, but first, we have some news to get to. How are, you, how are you liking this trade season? How are you feeling as we are now, I mean, what, nine days from the trade deadline here uh, in 2023? Everyone's saying it's going to be quiet again, and I just refuse to believe it. I think we're going to get some things that happen. I don't know exactly what it is. Like I, I'm like waiting to see what the, I expect the Clippers who we will talk about are going to do something. This Bones Highland stuff is very interesting for a lot of reasons. I think we're going to see some stuff. I think it's, it's just unclear sort of what that is right now. Like some of the players we know that are available are out there, but prices kind of, there's a lot of posturing going on right now. It would seem. So I, I'm a little just, I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm intrigued, but we're not totally moving in the direction of stuff imminently happening yet, which is kind of just like, give give me my trades. I would like some trades, please. I would like some non-Rui Hachimura trades for sure. We're going to get to three rumors here off the top. They're going to lead naturally into our bigger conversation for today. The West contenders predicting the top four once again, but there are three rumors that I'm particularly surprised by. I mean, there's a lot of names out there. You listen to, uh, I don't know about you, but We've been hearing these NBA insiders. I listened to Mark Stein's premiere episode this week. You listen to any NBA podcast or read any NBA article. They talk about how tired they are, Chris, of talking about the same names. I'm going to add another layer to that. I'm tired of hearing the insiders talk about how they're tired of talking about the same names. It's your job. I don't care. The names are the names. We got to talk about them. But these three uh, jumped out to me in particular. One is, as you just mentioned, Bones Highland. Of the Denver Nuggets. I have been a big Bones guy for a while, partially because I thought the Suns were going to end up drafting him in 2021. They traded that pick for Landry Shamit. Uh, we don't need to really get into how I feel about that deal. But the Nuggets don't seem to, to, they seem to have a little bit of buyer's remorse on Highland as well. Apparently looking to shop him, looking to trade him per Mike Singer of the Denver Post and a few other places. Zach Lowe has talked about it. And The part that really jumped out to me, Chris, on this one is what Mike Singer had as their asking price, or at least what they're hoping to get, which was a first round pick. Is this just the Nuggets being cheap again? Is this just the billionaire who owns the team pretending like he can't afford to pay the luxury tax? Because we've seen this before. I more think this, this, this to me, I would, I would speculate if I'm going to be optimistic about this with Denver is that they're trying to get a first round pick. 
to then reroute it somewhere else. So they keep their cache of first intact. I kind of keep some of the some of the trade assets full going forward. But then they can go out and get a wing that they feel like they could help them. This team, I think, like I, I, I think there's backup point guard still feels like kind of a need. But let's go back to the last several trades they've made. You know, it is Aaron Gordon, it is Kentavious yeah. Caldwell Pope, it is signing Bruce Brown in free agency. They've gone out and gotten bigger wings to surround Nicole Jokic with. Because Jokic is such a playmaker, they're just saying, look, he can he can help us create everything we need. We're not going to need to just go have these traditional kind of like they traded Monty Morris, who's one of the best backup point guards in the league. And they're just like, it's fine. We, we they're humming along right without him. I think it. Maybe and now they're going to potentially like, trade the guy who replaced them. I mean, Bones was supposed to be the guy that, OK, we can trade Morris because we have Bones. And now they, they have Bruce Brown, who's basically become that they, they have interchangeable pieces. You're absolutely right. Well, but even beyond that, it feels like they it almost feels like they have they look at Bones, who is this very like shot happy combo backup guard who is not a good defender and saying we can't like this is our window. Our window is open right now, particularly in this West. Let's go for it. We need this specific thing to play with the Mike Mullen system to play within Jokic. And I I that to me is where this feels like this is going. This feels like it's something saying, okay, like we are trying to maximize what this team could be. We are trying to find the perfect fits with Jokic, and that is why you move on from Bones. I, I, you know, could it be getting ahead of the contract stuff a year from now when he's eligible? Sure. I don't really see that as like considering there's a new CBA coming, all of that stuff. Like that feels so speculative to me. It feels more like the asking price for the players that would really move a needle for them is a first round pick. I mean, maybe like theoretically, let's just mm-hmm. say they get a first from someone and they call Detroit up and like, hey, do you want a first for for Bojan? And like they figure out the salaries or whatever, like I I don't know, but that's the, like the salary stuff is very tricky, right? But that is the kind of thing they should they're going to be yeah. hunting around it. I would bet you at the end of the day. Why not just trade bones for the player though? I that was my suspicion it, too when you said that, right? It's yeah. like there, and we're about to talk about another player on the Dallas side of things where uh, they could easily be doing the same thing. But anytime I hear that, I'm like, you're getting into a territory of of such a complex deal that it's like. Would a, a a team like Detroit not want Bones Island? Would a team well, they, like they the Jay Magic Ivey. not they want Jay Bones Ivey. Island? Sure, but, but, but those are those, but those are two teams that specifically do not need more point guards. Well, then who are the Nuggets going to send Bones to that would be willing to give up a first round pick that is not a direct contender of theirs in in the West or maybe even the East, depending on how picky they are about the silliness of how we know teams don't like to give up players to their opponents. That would then allow them to go to a different team and go get him that doesn't want bones. I like, I, I hear you in theory, but yeah, the, the layers of that, it's just like, that feels silly to me. I tend to take them at their, after thinking through all that at their word of maybe they really do just want picks and maybe it's not something they repurpose now. Maybe they get a 2024 first 2025 first that they could use down the line. But at the end of the day, then are you talking about getting worse this year when you have probably the best chance at a championship you've had in a long time, if not maybe franchise history with how good they're playing and how, how dominant Jokic looks. I can't imagine wanting to get worse, but I also don't have a great construct of what a trade would look like to go get a better player with the picks or with Highland himself. Because as you said, it's a, it's a player type in Highland. That's especially valuable to teams. Exactly like the nuggets (laughs) championship caliber teams who need scoring. Well, and they, but they've also clear, I think, maybe decided that like he does not totally fit with what they're trying to like. They would not be trying to move on from him right now. I feel like unless they kind of were like some of the reporting you read it, it's that there's some frustration with how he plays. 
Yeah. And like, and then like the, the, the wolves who have Tim Conley, who I think drafted Bones Highland in Denver before went to Minnesota are linked as like a possible suitor. There's not really a trade there unless like, like just Tory and Prince really move the needle enough for you or something like that. Like, I, I don't really think so. I, I, I agree that this is weird. Um, the other Brendan right to transition, the thing, the other, I, I find it very weird that like right now, unless they're just completely trying to like take a step back to then maybe take a step forward with around Luka Doncic is that the Mavs could be shopping Dorian Finney-Smith. This is like the role player everyone in the NBA needs. Like this is like yeah. the quintessential big three who shoots to threes, who doesn't really need to play the ball in his hands. I, mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't really get this unless it, it's like, hey, we're going to get like a windfall that we can then turn into making the star level tree that we probably need to get Luka a co-star. That has to be it. You know, Tim McMahon, who's plugged in over there, has has talked a lot about the relationship Luca and Dorian Finney-Smith have. His on-off numbers aren't spectacular this season. He's been, uh, their whole team has been cold from three, which we'll talk about when we break their team down in terms of their chances to get through the West later on. But he's awesome. I mean, I, I just think you have to have such respect for him, for him, what he's turned himself into, the reliability that he has on both ends of the floor. He can get very hot from three. He is a pretty streaky shooter, which... You know, you don't love that, but you're picking nits. He's, he's on a, a good player. contract. I mean, he's, they he's, just he's extended player. him. He's a role, he's a role player. player. Yeah. But he's about the best one that you could imagine for what Luca is, right? And so I, I totally agree. This feels like another one where they're either going after something like this where they're going to upgrade from DFS to a star or they're going to go out and get something as a package to go uh, then repurpose to get a star. But Again, you're just running the risk with a, an MVP caliber player in his prime, guy who just scored, what, 50-something points on Monday night after recording this, or before we're recording this. You're going to take one of his best friends on the team and one of his best role players, most reliable role players, away from him in a season that already is feeling like it's starting to slip away. I, I don't... I don't really understand the thinking here unless they pull a rabbit out of a hat and they really, you know, they get a John Collins or would you do that? Let me ask you that. Would you, if this, if this, if this turned into John Collins, is that a high enough level of a star uh, to make you feel good about getting rid of Finney Smith? That is trending in the right direction. It is probably not high enough for what I think Dallas, like what I, I, I don't want to spoil what I'm going to, my takes about Dallas, but that is such a heliocentric team that I feel like if you're going to move away from some of your valuable pieces, you need other guys who can dribble the basketball and create and like allow Luca to not have to do everything himself as good as he is at it. And is it is awesome as it is to watch him do that stuff. Right. So that moves me in the right direction. I'm intrigued by it. John Collins would be, would really benefit from playing with Luca. I think he'd maybe have a little more fun that he's had playing with Trey Young in Atlanta. It would seem. But barely, I mean, pretty similar role, pretty similar yeah, job. Like, hey, John, you know, set some screens, go stand in the corner, hustle on defense, even though all, all I'm no saying one else is, is. We, have, <laughs> we have not necessarily seen the griping about playing with Luca. No, that's in true. the way that we have seen with guy, the guy, the guys say that they've had playing with Trey. And that is all I'm going to doesn't seem to be as much of a nightmare. Yeah. No, so we'll leave leave it at that. But like, also, I would say like Dorian Finney-Smith is a guy that I feel like every contender would like make a call on. Like any yeah. any of these teams in the East could use another one of these guys. Like, I'm sure Milwaukee would be like, please, like, can we like can can we call on him? What is the price? Like, it's probably not realistic. I don't think he gets moved, but I, this is like just one of those things where I feel like Dallas is one of these teams that when we get to the summer is maybe doing some kind of shakeup. They feel like a team that with with guys like Finney-Smith and some of the other contracts they have. Plus, they get their all their picks back. 
this this feels like yeah. kind of a teaser for getting to the summer. They're making a trade this summer, I think, no matter what. Uh, they have to. It'll be more easy, like you said. Some of the guys, like Maxi Klebo, will be available. I, I don't think hunting something just centered on Dorian Finney-Smith now when you know that flexibility is coming makes much sense. I think we're on the same page there. Let's go to the last rumor that I think is pretty serious, just like these other two for a team that could go in either direction. And I think, Chris, that's one of the things just like talking about the deadline big picture. That's interesting to me is we talk about like, okay, who's going to become the seller? Who's going to, you know, really cut bait with the season? I don't think you can do that if you have Luka Doncic on your team. I don't think you can do that if you have a superstar just because of what it would tell that player. It's just a matter of, which teams politically can get away with selling a little bit. And I feel like that's why Toronto is at the center of this stuff. The Bulls are at the center of this stuff. And then you have teams on the other side looking to be opportunistic and go out and shake things up in the positive direction, potentially, which brings us to the Suns, who seem to have a pretty close eye on the Raptors. We've talked about Pascal Siakam. That was one of my trades in our first show. Uh OG Ananobi is out there. Fred Van Vliet is out there. I believe the Suns in one aspect or another have been connected to all three of those players. But I want to talk about OG Ananobi specifically right now first. Sham Sharania connected those, the the team with a player for the first time in a, in a real way. And you're starting to hear that more. What do you think about Ananobi in a sun situation? We talked about them with the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. How about in Phoenix? Is that different to you? Better, worse? I really like it just because I think OG and Mikel Bridges like gives you just so much wing defense that I think would be absolutely awesome. It gives you a, a, a guy to play with Booker that I think would be really good with Booker. Maybe you can offer him a bigger role. Does Do I do I feel like I fully understand what the intentions of the Suns are right now in, in that trade and kind of what is going on there? I do not. You would obviously have a, as the Locked On Suns host, as someone in Phoenix, like you would have a better read on this, I think, than I would. I just, the Suns are one of the more confusing teams to me. And as much as I would sort of like OG there, and I think like any team that like wants to be good should like be looking at OG and just gauging that price. I I, I I'm a little I'm a little kind of just unsure of like what you're doing. I the bigger thing I have is just with them is just like okay, what are they? What is like the plan? There's obviously the new owner. Chris Paul yeah. is getting a little bit older. Like what what happens with Aiton? Like what happens with Crowder? I don't like none of the the kind of reported Crowder deals have really moved the needle for me. Ananobi would be kind of a swing in a different direction. If you're if you're trading for OG and Anobi, you're very clearly like not trying to take a step back at all. Not just now, but like next year or the year after. And like I kind of wonder if like a soft reset around Booker would kind of make some sense. So I, I have more I am thoughts on the Suns. Yeah, yeah we have we have a lot on. of yeah. We will get to them, but. A big picture. I mean, I I, th- I think big picture. I, I can say I. You talk about the ownership. That's going to be going into place before the deadline. The Suns are not going to reset this season. Um, there's been some talk, and, and this is the other part of the rumor that we wanted to hit on here to start things out. Is they're eyeing a backup point guard or a a point guard of the future. It's a little funny to the way that it's being framed that they're confronting Chris Paul's, you know, reduction and limitations for the first time. It's like, did anyone not know that Chris Paul was how old he is? Did we not know he was 37 until this week? I'm not too sure. It's a little funny the way that stuff gets thrown out there around this time of year, but they're not resetting. This guy is a, is a, you know, wonderkind 
mortgage dude who's in his early 40s and loves basketball, Matt Ishbia, who's buying the team. He's not going to come in and have his first big move be, let's get worse a little bit. They're going to go hard. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the idea of a Mikhail Bridges, OGN, and Obi wing Good defense. luck scoring on those dudes. My God. Like, I, I was thinking about if you had, like, OG against, like, Luka, and you get to rerun last year's playoff series, just how much, like, how much easier yes. it is. Like, Luka might still score a bunch, and that's fine because he's Luka. But, like, think about, like, you have two layers of that on top of, like, maybe there's, like, a big you trust to switch in in a, in a pinch. But, like, those two wings and would it's be actually, just, like, great. It's good balance, too. Yeah. Because the thing about Mikhail that I think people don't always think about because it's just easy to look at, I mean, granular analysis of defense of a team you don't watch every day is, it's not easy. Mikhail Bridges is a guy who at his best is going to, like, you want him defending Kyrie Irving more than you want him defending LeBron James. He's small still relative to a guy like OG, right? And that's why Crowder was so valuable for the Suns during their two runs. And so having a guy like OG next to him with Bridges able to be at the point of attack and an OB more as a wing defender. Problem is, with everything related to the Raptors, we don't know what Fred Van Vliet wants long-term and when it comes to role or salary. We don't know what OG Ananobi wants in terms of role or salary when he comes up. And Siakam's in a little bit of a weird ground where he's going to be super max eligible. So we don't have any more of a read, Chris, on the Raptors than uh, the likes of Mark Stein or Zach Lowe. We don't have any uh, wonderful insight to provide in terms of insiders, but their players would be awesome elsewhere. Can we agree on that? I, I think I think I'm ready to not watch Toronto continue to try with this exact group going forward. I, I, I'll at least say that. Yeah, I would I would say that they should reset but i'm curious to see like how aggressively they would do they they are the team among uh, in a non in a market that i think should favor the sellers that's the team if they decide to sell probably could get some really interesting stuff to kind of retool in however they decide they want to but how aggressively yeah. will they do that is is the biggest question i think i have between now and and the deadline next week and the deadline's a week away we should remember like we're about to get the that that knob of 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 slop of trade slop and rumors and all of that is going to be coming in um very very quickly in the next week or so and i i'm intrigued to see that kind of what and remember the other thing about deadline stuff we have to remember that it like not only is it out there but why did it get leaked and like you have to almost play like yeah i feel like it's the always sunny meme when you're just like kind of like connecting all these like like conspiracy theories and just like okay, trying to figure out what this is. And it's weird, but it's fun. And it's mm -hmm. we will not get this again until the summer. It is not weird. Don't say it's weird. It's the best. Uh, it's the best. Outside of like actual playoff basketball, this is, this is the fun stuff. Let's go to predictions. We're going to go in a loose order of the standings, although uh, that gets us into a whole other maze. But we're starting at the very top, Chris. Denver, the Denver Nuggets. They're first in the West right now. They have a two-game lead on first in the West, so they have really, you know, they've been there all season. They've proven that they're real, and not that we really needed that. They've been a, a mainstay at the top of the conference for a while. They have the second-best point differential. We'll get to the first team in a little bit. And then the other interesting thing about their overall metrics and situation right now is they're 17th in defense. So they're first in offense, 17th in defense. As of yesterday, they're middle of the pack. That adds up to fourth in net rating. I could not find, just to fast forward a lot, because this is where this team has set themselves up to be, they're in the championship discussion. They made the conference finals in the bubble. They were good. 
as much as they could be with Murray and, and Porter dealing with injuries. And, and now they're a bona fide contender. I could not find this century a NBA champion with a defense in the bottom half of the NBA. You'd be hard-pressed to even find a champion with a defense outside the top 10. Denver's in the middle of the pack, if not the back half of the NBA. I know that their best defense is probably going to be their offense, and Jokic can cover up a lot just because of how relentlessly efficient he's going to be creating half-court buckets for himself and his teammates. But I can't get away from 20-plus years of history telling me you got to be a lot better on defense to win and win and win like you need to do to get a title. I don't think that's wrong, and yet, Brendan, we're here today, and I kind of think this is my pick for the title. Uh, at least at least to get out of the West and be in the finals. Like I, uh, the, What they're doing offensively with Jokic is just stupendous. I don't think there are... There are only like two... There aren't a ton of teams that can kind of do some of the stuff to Jokic that are really seemingly kind of like put him in weird stuff and that's put a small on him and that's Draymond that was Draymond with the Warriors last year that was PJ Tucker last weekend with Philly and then have your big center kind of roaming the lane at least for some of your minutes I I don't I don't know like what that is but like the, the offensive upside their ability just to like ramp that up over and over and over again is is just so high that I just I, I am kind of there and it, it maybe just comes from the fact that I don't know how I feel about any they are the team of the teams in the West right now that I have the clearest idea about what they yeah. are. The defensive stuff is obviously a part of that. Maybe we'll, we'll see what kind of trade they make. We'll see what, what what happens with the bone situation. But I really, really like this Nuggets team, and the window is the the window is absolutely there for them. The window absolutely should be they they should be considered. I think at the very least, like one of the teams that should get out of the first round into the second round. Anything less than them really making the conference finals feels like kind of like a frustrating end to them right now. Agreed. In terms of our conversation today, they're a lock for the second round. I mean, that that's that's without a doubt. Even if they have a little bit of a tough matchup, you know, they could face somebody like, I don't know, the Pelicans. I would still pick them, right, in the first round. The matchup stuff with Jokic that you talked about, which we saw from Tucker and Embiid on Saturday, which we broke down in our last show, you related it on that episode to the Warriors. So that's already one team in this conference we know can do it. I think the Grizzlies can do it too, right? With Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. I think size is kind of the way to swarm what the Nuggets do, have some rim protection, but also some post defense. I think Jackson is even better. We didn't see these two teams match up last year, but I think that could be uh, pretty exciting. On the offense, I've heard a lot of people put it this way, and I, I wonder if you... Agree. It feels like the most succinct way to describe where they're at. Their offense is probably the single most important or single most steady unit of, mm-hmm. of any team with anything. Does that feel right to you? I mean, you have Boston's defense, I guess. You could go with the Grizzlies defense, but I feel like the Nuggets offense is the surest thing in the NBA in terms of one team on one side of the ball. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think that's because of Nicole Jokic. You know, like that is because. Nikola Jokic is just this offense into himself. Like, he is this guy that kind of unlocks everything for everyone. And, like, that team has built its identity around playing around him and, and his just absurd ability. Um, I am curious to see just kind of like what, you know, what, how, what maybe if they have. I, I do feel like there has to be a counter that they will try out um, 
come playoff time and Jamal Murray would to some of the Jokic stuff that they've kind of had to deal with at times with with teams have the size to kind of deal with them. Murray feels like you would have to maybe involve Murray in different ways and get creative with him. Michael Porter Jr. kind of exists as a big swing piece as well. But this all comes back to Jokic. I mean, Jokic is just this kind of one of one guy in, in how steady he makes that offense and how consistent it is. And I I I just think he's also gonna break up break through at some point, right? Like I just feel like he's too good not to, even with some of the defensive concerns. I just feel like this is an all time guy. And it feels like he is going well, what to What does breakthrough mean then? Because they made the conference point. finals. Yeah, I just I just there's just something about this team I really, really I can't exactly put my finger on it. And again, maybe it's just the weirdness of the West. Maybe I'm just like in love with how they play and how fun they are to watch. But I this feels like a team that just has so much upward momentum to me. And like Murray healthy and, and Porter Jr. healthy is a really big deal compared to them the last, the last year. So Yep, we we will see. I look. They could they could lose in the second round, and I could be like totally wrong here. The defensive stuff is a very very good point. This that was a whole talking point, like for Cleveland. It's like can they when LeBron the second time is like can you put together a good enough defense at times to, to survive? How good you twenty sixteen? They were top ten in defense though. You know, it's like you you feel yeah, like yeah the wor- the, they the had bad a gear they defenses get, and they had a gear they had a gear yeah they yeah, had this the gear bad defenses we've seen in in different finals when you have question marks, Dallas in 2011, some of these teams were like, oh, they kind of cobbled together a defense. You look back, those teams were still pretty darn good, even in the regular season. And like you said, they they were able to turn it on in the playoffs. A lot of veteran teams are like that. Uh, they the, the, the Nuggets would be an outlier. There's really no other way to slice it. But uh, they have the rest of the season to improve on defense. They obviously have the playoffs to gel. They do probably have some wrinkles up their sleeve. I think Mike Malone is a really good coach. And he has tended to adjust really well. I mean, look no further than how they may do without any of these great players that they now have at their disposal. I would imagine he'd have some creativity now that they are back. Let's move on to Memphis. Okay. Chris, they are 32 and 18, second in the West. They are the team that I was mentioning a moment ago that has the best point differential in the Western Conference. They're 10th in offense, first in defense, so top 10 in both. That's a good indicator. And second in net rating. What do you make of the Grizzlies right now? They are, I mean, I, I don't even necessarily want to call it a swoon because I don't know if I watch them and feel like they're playing worse basketball, but they are five and five in their last 10 games. They're not a great road team, although no one in the West really is. And they're getting healthier, but they did lose Steven Adams, right? As you were starting to feel like they had everybody. Where are we with Memphis? Can, let, me, let me ask you a question in response to that. Do the struggles they've had of late where they lost five in a row at one point and then only got back in the winning on 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 a winning streak after they beat a very bad Pacers team who doesn't have Tyrese Halliburton right now. And I think they'd only at, at that point it only won once since like January 5th or something like that. Does does the recent struggles come into how you think about this team at all and kind of what what they are? It doesn't. It doesn't because, as I said, I don't. I don't watch them and feel like they are lacking something that they had previously. I mean, the just to break down those losses to just get. I mean, maybe a, a little granular for a second. One point loss mm-hmm. to the the Lakers, right? And and they're playing better lately. Two point loss to Phoenix. They made a late push in that game. They almost got blown out and and they fought hard at down the stretch. Almost came back and won it. Blown out by Sacramento, but Ja didn't play. Two-point loss to Golden State, and then an 11-point loss to Minnesota uh, in a game where Ja had a triple-double, and that's probably the worst one. 
just losing by double digits to the Timberwolves, but that's three, two, two point or less losses, one blowout without your best player, and then one genuinely bad loss. They are coming off a huge win streak before that. I, I just mm-hmm. don't watch it and feel scared that this is a, a dramatically different team. And you're just factoring in now the past couple of games out of that. They didn't have Adam. So I just think my answer is no, I'm, I'm really not super worried about, about them right now. I do have some questions when we do get to playoff time, but I think in the regular season, they'll get back on track and probably finish in the top two in the West still. Yeah. I, my concerns go back to last year in the playoffs. You have this in our notes and it's a, it's a really good shout. Like they are 23rd and half court offense right now. And what happens in the playoffs, this becomes a half court, centric thing it is harder to get out on the break it is harder to feast in transition and have so much of your offense relied in that way you know ja can be can create stuff out of nothing i think bane has been awesome like they have shooting that i think can help you kind of navigate some of that stuff but like that's going to be a concern for them especially if they come against like a really elite defense if they come against a team that has someone to throw at ja as like a point of attack defender you know like i mean like let's say the clippers i go out and get like fred van vliet and like Fred gets to just hound Jow for a whole series, that's going to make things really, really hard for them. And I don't know what their counters totally are. Or Kawhi unless, Leonard, like, you're getting... hounding John Morant. I mean, yeah, you know, the yeah, Clippers don't yeah, have I to mean, look far. Yeah. No, yeah. that's true. They could just say, hey, also Paul George exists on the team. Uh, they have Mann. lots of options. Yeah, but, I think that's, a, yeah, that's Terrence, that, Terrence that is exactly the type of matchup that I think is worrisome. I think the Warriors, although Jaw didn't play a lot of that series, would be another one with Wiggins, with, I mean, not Clay, I guess, but... DiVincenzo teams that, that have those yeah, wings that, to put on jaw it's going to be a problem I think yeah what a little I mean we Gary Payne Jr. hounded him I believe yep. a lot you know a little bit last year and like that that was a thing so I I I think they are clearly a team that c- could get to the second round I kind of think they should have expectations to get to the second round if I'm them this feels like a leveling up season for them but like the, the half court stuff is a real question and Brennan this is the, this is just the team that I feel like the window is there in the West. I think like the through line of all of this is that like this feels kind of open for someone to make a finals run this year if things break correctly for them. I feel like Memphis should be willing to put something on the table. They are going to get Danny Green back. Danny Green has said himself that he's going to come back. Everything you hear and read about Danny Green in Memphis is that they like him as a locker room guy. They believe he can yeah. be a three and D piece for them. Is that enough? Okay, he's coming Do you off think an AC- he's enough? No, it's not. It's not. Not at his age coming off an ACL. That's a real concern. Well, and I, I understand that, like I ask that because I wonder if it's less about him and more about how much do you feel like they need to get from twenty third and half court offense to say fifteenth with the fact that they're gonna turn defense into offense. Jaw is gonna be a juggernaut crazy ramrod in in transition even in the playoffs he can manufacture that why why not why can't danny green shooting be just enough help to space the floor a little better get them some easier threes and turn that around to being respectable in half court offense rather than it being a major concern i i don't agree i agree danny green like relying on him to be like your third best player is a little crazy but he'd be like their sixth best player fifth best player I just have higher ambitions for Memphis in that spot. And I, I just wonder if there's like someone they could go get. Like, I think Malik Beasley would be really good for them, even though like there's some defensive concerns there, but the shooting would, would be good. Um, like you, you could poke around and find guys that I think are just maybe like a little more trustworthy for them. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly kind of like what they're willing to give up is kind of the question, like what of their young guys and, and the cash of picks they have, are they willing to trade? But you know, the more I, I, there, there's, the more, there's room to improve there. The more I think about them, the question that 
the question is go in now, or go all in now or continue to be patient, right? I mean, that's really what we're talking about at a macro level. I really liked Kuzma for them once it seemed like he's not available. I tended, I, I tend to lean back to stay patient because they're already showing us how great they can be in the regular season. If you get, if you put yourself in position to have home court advantage, have an easy matchup relatively in the first round, stay healthy, get healthy by playoff time, which they did last year. And then Ja got hurt again. You're giving yourself a chance to make a run even without an all in quote unquote move. And I think they owe it to themselves to at least see what some of their young players can be. If those guys can turn into the fifth, six pieces that they need to, to round out their roster. I like Jake LaRavia. I like Zaire Williams, especially they have others too. And I would be more willing to be patient, but I think a lot of this comes down to Desmond Bain would be my last thought on this team. We talked about Middleton being one of the most important players in the NBA in our last episode. I think to me in the West, that's Desmond Bain, because when we talk about their, their half court offense, he's really the only sniper they have, right? He's a, he's a really a knockdown shooter. He can attack the, off the bounce, he can attack closeouts. He has these games where you look up and he's 10 of 12 from the field, you know, seven of nine from three and just lights you up. But if he has a little more juice off the bounce as a secondary attacker on the second side, creating for teammates, juicing it out to open shooters, running pick and roll himself, all that stuff, that could be the ingredient to get them from bottom of the of the NBA to middle of the pack or even higher in terms of that half court offense, we're not talking about a lot. We're just talking about a little bit better. And look, if you ask John Morant, he still feels like they would have beat the Warriors in the second round if he uh, if he had been healthy. I think you're right about Bain. That's a, that's another good shout. Uh, and I'm curious to see just like what their closing lineups will be in certain series as well, because you could go like, you know, you're gonna have Ja, you're gonna have Bain, you're gonna have Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, do you go Jaron Jackson at the five and, and put Brooks and, and someone else on the floor? Is it too big than and someone else? And like, I almost wonder if if tr- if if they go aggressive and get someone else like that kind of answers some of this question a little bit. I mean, this this really, Brendan, this is one of the OG teams to me. Like if and like sure. if they want to like be really spicy and be like, hey, here's our closing five. It's it's Ja, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., OG and Obi and Stephen Adams. I feel pretty good about that. And then, like, you can sure. go small. You can play Brooks and o- you can play Brooks and, and OG together, and and all of that. So, I mean, I I mean, they, they are one of the teams I'm most watching at the deadline. But the 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 Bane shout, I think, is exactly right. Considering if he has like a really, if he has a big series or two in the playoffs, and with how much he shoots from three and his volume, that tilts it completely. Um, yeah, he's and he's he's that important. He's that important off of Josh, especially if Josh can get into lane and kick out and stuff like that. Is just opportunity for Bane to feast and kind of juice what they're doing. Agreed. On to the reigning NBA champions, the Golden State Warriors. They are 25 and 24. That's sixth in the Western Conference. They have a negative point differential, which is 12th in the conference. Not great. They're middle of the pack in both offense and defense. And no matter when I check, because Cleaning the Glass has this stuff laid out uh, overall, they also have it past two weeks and every time I go in looking at the Warriors and I'm like all right they have it feels like they've been playing a little better what does their past two weeks stuff look like middle of the pack almost every single time they have just not been able to get over the hump 
and separate themselves, get into the top six of the West, really do anything to make anybody feel overly confident about them outside of looking at their roster, looking at the fact that they have a ring from 2022 and saying they'll figure it out. What do you make of this team right now? And do you think they'll figure it out? I just kind of assume they will, you know, and like that's maybe like a boring podcast answer. It's just like they have Steph Curry. They have like a better version of Klay Thompson than I think we saw last year. You kind of just, you would kind of hope Wiggins gets a little bit better. They're not historically like a trade team at the deadline. So like, it's not like they're going to maybe go out and make a splash and bring someone in and kind of change what they're doing. I think the DiVincenzo signing has been like a really good one for them. Like, I, I just kind of assume that they're going to be there when the chips are on the table. And maybe this team's not quite as good as last year. Like, maybe things are just, like, a little wonky. And, like, I, I mean, like, it, it, and to some degree, like, the punch that everyone knows about and has seen, like, kind of maybe hangs over this to some degree. And, like, and all of that, and even when it hasn't, like, the last kind of ride of this team, so to speak, has kind of maybe not happened as much as we would have expected. I just kind of assume they are going to be there when it when it matters because of the the pedigree because of Steph in particular. Do, do, do does does what we're seeing like necessarily project project that? No, like I I don't think it does. I think you're right saying like hey you're waiting for them to look better every week and they aren't. And yet, I kind of just look at them and say okay like this is this is the Warriors like they have this track record of like if their guys are healthy they're going to be a really hard out and probably make a really deep run. And that, that is where I end up with them. I, I don't, I don't even, I don't have like a reason other than that in terms of what we've seen for them to think that things go either way. It's just like a pedigree thing for them, even though, and they're six in the West. And like, if they avoid the play in in particular and they're there, it's just like, okay, like they, they probably have a run in them and it wouldn't surprise me if they make it to the finals again. Honestly, I wouldn't be totally surprised. Yeah. They're ninth and half court offense which is really good for a team that has struggled. I mean, if you're looking for any signs of, of life and they play a lot in half court this year, which is some, uh, maybe a little unorthodox for them. Although we know they're, they're selective running team. They're not, they're not always going to just fly up and down the court, but playing that much in the half court and being as efficient as they are is, is a great combination, a great indicator. I like that they're committing to Jonathan Kaminga, at least a little bit. They played him in a game. They started him in a game where Wiggins missed recently as he's, as Wiggins is coming back. I think you're, you're right about DiVincenzo. I don't, I'm not in love. I think the uh, Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome love is a little bit of the media really likes the Warriors. I am I, not personally sold that those two guys are going to pop well, up in it, a game seven Jerome, and make an impact. Well, Ty Jerome like, can't. Like, well, they're Ty, both, they're both two way players right now. So I guess yeah, neither of them but, can play in the but playoffs. It's like they're, but it's like they're playing a lot and it's like they're on two-way deals and maybe that tells you where their depth is at, right? That, that they're like trusting two-way guys. It's like the Clippers yeah. are like like are up against it with Moses Brown as, as a as a key centerpiece playing center minutes for them and he's on a two-way as well. And it's like that tells you maybe something a little bit about, about your depth. But part of the reason the Warriors are strapped on depth is the draft picks aren't working out, right? I mean, James Wiseman mm-hmm. and Moses Moody aren't playing. That's not because... I mean, Wiseman has dealt with with health stuff, but right now, for a lot of the season, it it really it, he could have played, you know, and and Moody, Moody could have played, and they're not, and so this does feel like maybe the year that they make a trade. I know that everybody loves to talk about how they rarely do it. D'Angelo Russell was like the one time I had the Olenek trade in our first show. Uh, they could really use Otto Porter. 
Would have been nice if he stayed healthy and stayed on this team, but they had to let him go. They just need one more piece, I think. Maybe it is Kaminga. Maybe they just scrape by and they're even thinner than they were last year and still find a way to, to get the job done. The last point I have on them is I think a more aggressive Wiggins would go a long way. Again, I just said he's coming yeah. back from injury. He missed a lot of games. I have this stat that his free throw attempts per 36 is almost in half from last year. He has like a career low free throw rate. He's kind of starting to look like Wolves. Wolves Wiggins again in terms of of not getting to the line and doing the good stuff that we know he can do. I don't blame that on any sort of like mentality shift. I just think when you're dealing with injuries, you're not going to barrel into the lane and, and draw contact. But if he could get healthy and and play a lot more like himself, I think defensively that would help them offensively as well. He was, you know, as a lot of people have said, maybe the second best player in the finals last year. So maybe it is just their guys looking more like themselves. Maybe the depth isn't quite where it was last season, but the West being so up in the air, like it was last year, maybe they figure it out anyway. Here, here's the last thing I will ask about the Golden State Warriors. I'm of the opinion that it is time with James Wiseman to maybe just say like, look, this hasn't worked out. He's coming up on contract extension eligibility and he's not ready to play for us when it really matters. That is clear if you watch them. It it has not happened with him. So would it make sense to just try to like get something back right now for him? I mean, I I, yes. I say yes. I mean, I was that was the Olenek trade, right? I said, yeah, Wiseman and whatever other salary, um, to to make it work. And Olenek is like a better version of Bielitsa, who played certainly more minutes than James Wiseman did for them at the end of last season and could be that connecting piece and, and depth off the bench in terms of the big man spots. I, I I agree with you after we talked about it and just knowing that it's very unlikely he makes any sort of impact this season, that they they can't talk about him and treat him. And it's kind of like the Markel Fultz thing got to, right? Like the trade that the Sixers ended up making is still better than what, what Wiseman would probably end up being worth. But at a certain point, the Sixers just had to say, what? What can we get? Not what is a first overall pick worth, but what can we get for this player? And I think this that's where the Warriors are. I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And if that's their number one chip to get better and they have an opportunity for one more title, it'd be silly not to. Um, let's go on to the Suns. Yeah. We talked about them with the trades, pursuing uh, everybody under the sun, it seems like, looking for a big shakeup with new ownership after a weird season. Devin Booker's been out since... Christmas and even a little before that he only played four minutes on Christmas you have in our notes that you're very confused by this team tell me why uh -huh. look I I just feel like this group needs a jolt maybe it's just Devin Booker comes back and that fixes a lot of this and maybe that just kind of like solves some of this something just feels like a little off in in what's going on here like Chris Paul has looked older you, you know better than me. I don't think Aiden's been quite as good as he was last year. I think he's not quite been the same guy you're kind of looking for, and that that's a problem. And then I just look at their options of trades. It's like, okay, there's a Jay Crowder, whatever you're going to get for Jay Crowder. Is that really going to give you what you need? Probably not. Do you, like, it, like what is kind of going on here? Like, I, I, we were both, I think, pretty high on this team coming into the year. I think, like, we did a, a, when we were getting ready to do the show, one of the sample episodes we did was this very exercise. And I think you were like, this team has to be kind of a, a looking at to get into the final four in the West. I just don't totally know like what fixes this. Maybe you just get Booker back and Chris Paul's healthy enough and that's enough. 
something just feels a little bit off to me when I watch them and when I'm kind of looking at the roster and just kind of looking at it and looking at their net rating and things. And I'm just like, I, I don't know, like what you kind of do to move forward here and like what the, the move would be to kind of give them the jolt they need. Something like, oh, gee, I think would absolutely do it. But is like, you know, a bunch of seconds and like some like matching salary for Crowder really going to give you kind of what you're looking for? Like the price they've always kind of had for Crowder made sense. I just didn't think they're ever going to get it. So I don't know exactly what kind of solves this, but you you kind of point out in our notes that it's like the bad vibes aren't there anymore. Yeah. And Booker will come back. And like if you get Devin Booker back, maybe that just fixes a lot of things. Yeah, he's absolutely going to come back. It could be as soon as Friday uh, in Boston. He's doing everything outside of five on five. The Suns don't like being open about injuries, but I would expect him to be back relatively soon. They were 18 and 11 this season with Devin Booker. All right. Um, I think he was an MVP candidate. They're 26 and 25 now. That's ninth in the West. They're actually 27 and 25. They played last night and won, uh, which ties them, I think, for sixth in the West. Middle of the pack in both offense and defense. That's to be expected. Right before Chris uh, Devin Booker went out, Chris Paul had been out. They haven't really had their whole team since early November, which was, if you uh, can do the math, two weeks into the season. So they haven't been healthy all season. They've won six of seven right now. They're basically 500 in January without Booker for the whole month. And Chris Paul has looked old. He's looked a lot better on offense, at least this year. Although you run into a team like the Mavs, they're going to just punish him defensively, considering he's 5'10 and 37 years old. DeAndre Ayton has looked worse to answer that. Defensively, especially. I just come back to what I said when we were talking about the trade stuff at the top of the show. I think they're making at least one big trade at the at the deadline and I don't know how big I don't know what's going to be out there we're still a week out I think they will make a trade that's bigger than maybe people expect and I think that they could also make a separate trade maybe it's other stuff in the big trade and the Crowder deal is a smaller thing maybe it's all of it together we'll see but Booker back the other guys have stepped up without him and, and they've gotten things back on track I feel about the same about this team as I did heading into the season. Chris Paul's still a big question mark. DeAndre Ayton's still a big question mark. But overall, they're not a 64-win team like they were last year. But they're pretty good. I, I, I would be surprised. We'll get to our predictions in a second. Depending on the matchup, I, I do still see them as a pretty good shot to make it out of the first round. I will just say I'm very excited for Devin Booker to be back just because he has become one of my favorite players to watch. He's just such a craftsman as a scorer. He's so bruising as a scorer. I love the set, Brendan, when they get him at the, they give him the ball at the top of the key or at the elbow, and they just kind of let him like be physical and dig in and try to drive and get to lane, or they run shooters kind of around him. I love that the way they kind of use him as a fulcrum of their offense. There's things I wish the Cavs, I think, could steal to like do with Donovan Mitchell. I think any team with like Anthony, like the Wolves should do this, some of this stuff with Anthony Edwards as well. But I, I, it feels like if he, if to me, and tell me if this feels wrong, it feels like to me a lot of this is just predicated on like, can Booker just come back and be like incredible the rest of the yeah, way? Yeah, but you can't rely on him to come back and play a ton of minutes and do everything he was having to do because I think that's a big reason why he got hurt, yeah. you know, twice. He, this is his second injury this season. I don't know if people realize that. So yeah. It's this soft tissue stuff. He gets it every year. This year he had to do more and the injury was worse. Like this is very, you know, A, a plus B equals C stuff. And so to your point about those other guys, though, I think one of the things that that also kind of 
can get underestimated about the Suns is you can't have these two guards run things so well without the structure around them. And so it's like people still in 2023 in the NBA seem to undervalue shooting Minnesota and Cleveland, two teams that don't quite have the shooting you would like. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's funny to, to hear how people talk about Booker and it's like, yeah, he looked pretty rough. Like those guys, some, you know, Anthony Edwards or some of those other young guards look without structure. Then they put structure around him and it worked. Um, but Let's move on to the Sacramento Kings. I feel like we're being a little rude to them that I put them this low. Kings fans are probably wondering why uh, they are the fifth team we've talked about, but nevertheless, they're 27 and 21, third in the West. They have the third best point differential in the conference. They're second on offense in the NBA, but 23rd on defense. Basically the the opposite of the Milwaukee Bucks, who we talked about earlier this week, where they're in the 20s offensively and in the top three defensively. I think getting home court advantage will be big for the Kings if they have a shot mm-hmm. at making a run. I think staying in the top, you know, three, maybe four, is pretty important for them. I think that this is a team to me, Chris, where like the the concerns are just pretty obvious, right? They're pretty young. The defense, as I just said, is is rough around the edges, and it's going to be their first time going through all this. I don't know how much deeper you need to get than that, but this is also such a feel good story that I don't really want to like dump on it. No one thought they would be 27 and 21 through the first half of the season. I don't, this is the one team on the list that I feel like I don't know how much I care about them in terms of success. If, if they get out of the first round or not, I just don't know. Like this is such a step forward for them. Sabonis has been awesome. I think Fox is having like an all-star level year. I, maybe there's a trade they can make to kind of improve some of what they need. Their defense, I think certainly is knowing Mike Brown, I'm sure this is driving him crazy. Isn't I'm that absolutely funny sure he is that they're like, but it's like a, Sabonis, a, Sabonis is the center. Team. Like the, yeah, yeah. But it's like Sabonis is the center. Like this is kind of makes sense when, when Sabonis who rocks and like, is an all NBA conversation. Like as your center, like you're going to have some defensive issues kind of just inherently with him as your center, unless you find like the perfect four to play next to him. But I, you're right about the home court. I, I am hoping they get like a, a big first run series. I'm a, I'm, I don't know if they're def- if you're concerned about the Nuggets defense, I feel like you have to be even more concerned <laughs> oh, about, of course. about it's the worse. Kings defense here. Although I will say Sabonis is a little bit in the right matchups. He's underrated. The the Kings and Nuggets yeah. actually had a game a, a few weeks ago where Sabonis went toe to toe. It was the game where they played each other back to back and Sabonis missed the first one. And that ended up being the only game he missed with the thumb injury. And then he came back and he guarded Jokic really well straight up down the stretch of the game and the, the Kings won. So if it's just that one-on-one stuff, I think in the right matchup, Sabonis can still be effective. If you're talking about them having to play the Mavs, you know, uh, the Warriors, State the Suns. The, the, yeah. The, the nightmare scenario for them would be to get like Golden State, even if it's like a 3-6 in round one. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, guys, this has been fun. But and like, then the, re- like the geographical... Like it would just be yeah. like a little humiliating <laughs> to have to do that in your first game or in your first playoff series after so many yeah. years without it. But yeah, but look, I, th- I I think this is one of the most fun stories in the league. I am a little I don't know if they're going to get out of the first round. I really yeah. like them. I'm I'm hopeful that they can have a fun first round series. I just I don't I view them in fairly or not like in just a different way to some of these teams based on just yeah. the track record and we got to see where the defense ends up I mean it's kind of how we talked about the Cavs right it's like they have a little bit higher expectations they probably want to get out of the first round but it's yeah. it, it, any team where it's their first time I, I think expectations need to be 
a little balanced, and especially with teams that have some some obvious weaknesses like Sacramento does despite their success. Let's move on yeah. to the Clippers, 28 and 25, fourth in the West. They have the 11th best point differential, and uh, their metrics on offense and defense are okay. ugly. I don't care <laughs> about the met. Like, we should throw the metrics out with the Clippers oh. because the, the way that they manage the season nice just means none of the. They, they're just ridiculous. Like, you need you would need like so the cleaning the glass, which is like a great uh, site that Ben Falk developed um, and has tracks a bunch of stats. Factors out garbage time, like and then there's dunks and threes, which like factors out um, which factors for strength of schedule in, in their in their metrics. I need a version of this that like factors out the Clippers resting guys and like hey did Ka- did Kawhi yeah, right. or Paul George play in this game and like that's what I need to see. That's yeah. what I need and like. And like, look, I saw, I just saw them on Sunday in Cleveland. They just like punted on this game. Yeah. Like Norm Powell played the first half, and they beat after they beat the Hawks on Saturday. Kawhi played; he looked great. Then they just said, "Okay, Jason Preston is going to play like the whole second half. We're going to play Moses Brown a ton of minutes. They're just like we're probably, we're going to lose this game. That's fine. We're going to they got down yeah. by forty at one point in that game. They just didn't care." They just didn't care. I and have like, the stat for you if you want how they've looked with both of those guys healthy this season. Yeah, tell or, me. Uh, tell all me. Time. I did not. All, uh, all time. So that's not just this season, but 73 okay. and 28 is so what they are really with, good with those with two those guys. Two guys. Really they win 75% guys. of their games basically when those two guys play. And I believe it's pretty close this season. It's hard to track because it happened. It you know It's constantly getting updated. But I watched uh, this morning like the first half and then the fourth quarter of their game against the Hawks on Saturday. Um, I thought you were about to tell me you watched the Cavs game and I was going to no. like get on a flight and be like Brendan shaking you. Chris, like, Brendan, I made fun of you for this. going to that game. I, I will never be revisiting the film of that game. No, uh, uh, that game. The, Jared Allen hit a three in that game. It was just like, OK, we're done here. They, I think like, the real we you to went to that game because Jason Preston was going to play. Right. Yeah. Um, shout out yeah. to shout out to Ohio University. People can't see it on YouTube, but there is a framed Ohio University number five jersey over there. That is for DJ Cooper slash Maurice Indoor slash Ben Vanderplas. But on my list at some point is to get a framed Jason Preston Clippers jersey and put it on my office. We don't get, you know, I'm not like you in your Arizona that, State. You got, <laughs> is you that got a James basketball Harden. powerhouse? Okay. Yeah. We have you got uh, James. You, you got James, James Harden, Harden and and Lugin Stort, Lou Dort. Okay, um, look. Those are the look, only that's, two, that's two in like my life that's that have two. made it to the NBA I've, from this school. But yeah, I've uh, got yeah. I've got one guy in the league right now. Let me and I'll be next one for the last for the for the decade. But okay. no, really, with college basketball, I claim U of A most of the time because uh, I I resent ASU athletics in most situations, and so I just I go on down to Tucson when I want to be entertained by college basketball. But back to this Hawks game, so. Kawhi and Paul George both played. It was a pretty competitive game. Trey played. DeJounte Murray played. Well, we got a healthy on both sides matchup in the NBA. And so both of them looked really good. What I will say, and if you watch the Clippers broadcast, Mike Fratello, the legendary Mike Fratello, is on their broadcast. Who and he hates, also randomly does. He, he, uh, he also does some Cavs games, yeah. Yeah. He hates uh, when the Clippers don't move the ball. And I also hate when the Clippers don't move the ball. They're bottom 10 in passes per game um, this season. In the 2020-21 playoffs, when they made the conference finals, Kawhi was healthy for the first two rounds, obviously. That's when he tore his ACL. They had almost 20 passes per game more in that playoffs than they did than they do in this regular season. And that's the opposite of what normally happens, right? Normally in the playoffs, things slow down. There's less ball movement. It's more ISO. They were moving it more. 
I personally love how, especially Kawhi, but I would say Paul George too, because they are so dominant as drive and kick players when they want to be or post up, draw a double and, and dish it. And they have shooting on this team. I like when those guys can get off the ball and get it back at the end of a possession to finish. You know, can Kawhi bring the ball up, set a pick and roll, whip it around, get it back in the post and finish with one man in front of him? You know, things like that. Can Paul George bring it up and then get, you know, the ball coming off a screen to shoot it? Those types of things, I feel like when they actually run offense, when they actually move the ball is is what makes me really like the Clippers. Like when you watch them playing that way, you can kind of convince yourself this team still has a genuine shot at a title. Problem is as you mentioned, as we're making fun of, nobody's ever available for more than one game at a time. And Ty Lue doesn't seem to know who he wants his rotation to be, even with a healthy roster on any given night. Like you could turn on a game where Kawhi and PG play and then another one a week later and the other guys playing are also going to be different. It makes not a lot of sense to me. I don't know if they need a trade or they just need to solidify what they are, but I like how those two guys are playing. I don't like how the other guys are playing. Kawhi, when he's played, has been like incredible, and it's just like, oh yeah, this guy is awesome. We were we were actually talking about uh, me and some of the other people in the, in the in the media room after Cavs was like how weird Kawhi's like historical resume is going to be because it just is going to like the counting stats are going to just be like bizarre. But he's like clearly just going to have like titles and impact, and like that Raptors title is is all time wins one here. It's like three titles to three franchises. That's incredibly impressive. And bringing one to the Clippers, um, my goodness. Yeah, my goodness. Shot Steve Ballmer's gonna gotta recreate that like video of him freaking out on stage if that happens, honestly. But I I am waiting on two things with this team. Number one, I am waiting on the playoffs and I'm also waiting on the trade deadline. I am waiting to see what they do. I feel like this team absolutely is gonna do something. I feel like if it's Van Vliet, if is it is it Mike Conley who they've been linked to? What do they do at the deadline? I'm expecting something from them. And then when maybe that crystallizes, Ty lose a rotation. And look, I also would say sure. Ty, Ty is a top three to five coach. And I think when they get to the playoffs, making the right adjustments, he's probably going to know how to hit those buttons when it comes. I, I just have utter faith in that guy to make the right decisions when, when he needs to. But definitely he does like, like to a take a few games added. to lose and then start to adjust. That's that's also part he, of the Ty Lue specialty is he's going to drop look, game one. I, and I then know be this. Like, I, I, have seen, yeah. I have seen this. I have seen him take regular season games and be like, we're going to try something that we might need later and just not care about the result. That is a sure. very Ty Lue thing to do. And that is maybe kind of the perfect coach to coach Kawhi in some ways. If you're just yeah. trying to like glean nothing, but I like, I would imagine like Mike Malone coaching like Kawhi, <laughs> like just like, like, no, like, there's... like, just like pick Tib. People... Can you imagine Tibbs coaching Kawhi? No, who? Yeah. People love Rick Carlisle. <laughs> people love to people love to make fun of Ty Lue, I think a little bit because it is so chaotic, but it's like takes takes quite a bit to to stay sane in that situation. And he's he's been yeah. able to 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 keep his head above water. I think Reggie Jackson getting getting better and looking like he did in that playoff run would go a long way for them in terms of this ball movement stuff. Maybe it's just playing more Luke Kennard and more Terrence Mann, who they started in that Hawks game. They're going small because Morris is out. I think Norm Powell and Marcus Morris would be the probably the two guys I would be intrigued by getting rid of if I was looking to make a trade for Fred Van Vliet, for instance. Um, but they have tons of stuff. They can, they can very easily move off of big salaries and bring new ones in. That's the benefit of having the richest owner in the NBA. Uh, Dallas, you ready? I guess. Look, <laughs> here, here's where I go with Dallas. Yeah. Is Luca good enough to get them through a round? Yeah. Yep. 
Probably. Sure. Yep. Do I trust anything beyond that? No. And and look, they're the biggest thing we this is the thing that we both had in our notes. Their defense has taken a massive step back from last year. They were eighth last year. They the are Jason like Kidd curse. significant. The drop like also maybe like Chris, Chris, Christian. What is your center is also just like hard to play. You have a really good defensive situation. It just is like that. He's he's awesome offensively. Not sure what's going to happen with him in his future, just based on the contract extension and, and what he's going to look for in the market. But like their defense isn't as good. Um, Luca is just incredible. Yeah, and he gives you just like a shot. Do I? Is that like? Does he have like an 07 LeBron title run in him? Probably not. I don't. Th- I think the league's too deep for that. Yeah, but could they get out of the first round in the right series? Yeah, like if they played the Kings, like that's absolutely just like a series. I feel like they might be able to just like he just puts like all Sacramento their guards no and wings. And, yeah, right. And that's just really tricky. But like if they play the Clippers, if they get the Clippers again, or like one of these teams that has a like a wing, I don't know. Sure. It, it's yeah. tricky. I. I, I am very just like, I am not moved. As good as Luka is, I am not super moved by what, what Dallas is at this point in time. Yeah, their their shooters aren't making shots this year, which is also a problem. Um, I think like Hardaway Jr., Bullock, and Finney Smith are all below league average three-point shooters. It's just not going to, it's not going to get them where they need to be if the kickouts are ending in misses. Like it, it, sometimes with LeBron, with Luka, these guys harden, it is that simple. They're going to do what they're going to do. Can the other guys just make the shots? If you're talking about winning one round, pushing for a second round victory, that that's going to be the difference in a lot of these games. I think Dinwiddie, I really trust. Like last year was not a fluke. Christian Wood, uh, defensively, if you look at the on-off, it's about neutral with him out there, but their overall defense is bad. So neutral to bad, to <laughs> staying the same as a bad defense isn't anything to write home about. Kleba being hurt, JaVale McGee being bad. I think that's really a lot to do with their drop-off defensively. Uh, We'll see. I think that they have a playoff rotation in them that's going to maybe look a little better. I think they're a team that is playoff ready because of Kleba's ability to be at the five, because of the the wing depth and everything that they have. I think that mold of Luka, Dinwiddie, Wings, and Kleba, if that all can be healthy and and playing at a high level, it's still pretty formidable despite some of the questions. Maybe Wood's on the bench. We don't know. But... To your point, uh, I don't think we're going to be talking about this team as a championship contender. We're going to close with our most confusing team. I think to me, Chris, I know you've been a little confused mm-hmm. by some of these other ones. Uh, I To me, this no, was th- far this and is, away. This is the, yeah, this is the one. This is the this one. This is the one. It, it's the New Orleans Pelicans. So even just going through their metrics is confusing, right? They're eighth in the West right now. Plus 1.3 point differential. So that's tied for fourth best. So they've had a lot of big wins and a lot of bad losses is basically what that tells me overall. And they are also on a little bit of a swoon, to say the least. Eight game losing streak. One and nine in their past 10. And I think it's even, it extends beyond that. They've been really in a bad way lately. Um how much of that do you just chalk up to continued injury problems where it just Dyson Daniels finally goes out, CJ McCollum finally goes out and, and they just didn't have the reinforcements to keep winning? Or do you feel like we're learning something about this team that the little piecemeal that they had been able to do, maybe it's getting figured out, it's not sustainable? What do you think? I, I have a very hard time like figuring the team out just because of the injuries. Like Brandon Ingram has missed, missed, missed a ton of time. Zion Williamson, a ton of time. Herb Jones has missed 16 games. 
And even when he played, he yeah. was shooting under 30% from three after like 34% last year. That's like a really big deal. They have like a lot of guys that I feel like I w- if I were them, I would want to like consolidate. Like, I, you know, are you going to consolidate Jackson Hayes or Devontae Graham or like Kira Lou? Like, what do you do with just like some of these guys on the fringe of your roster to kind of reinforce that? And what do you feel like you need? It, it's sort of confusing. I was very high in them a couple weeks ago. And like, I think at their full, at their full kind of tilt and everything, everyone healthy, I think this team is absolutely scary. This team is absolutely someone that's going to be a really hard out in the West, but like just the last couple weeks have been a drag and they have all these injuries. And if like Zion and Ingram aren't healthy and you don't have someone like Herb Jones healthy, or like you could pick up another injury here or there, like McCollum goes through like a weird stretch. Cause he's like, you know, the older guy in this roster, whatever it is, this team doesn't feel immune to that stuff in the same way. And I'm pulling up their numbers the last couple weeks right now. Like They're the worst offense in the NBA, the past two weeks, it's really years. bad. Yeah, they're yeah. they're about five points. They're they're really they're they're, they're bad right now, and like that's <laughs> that's a tricky place for them to be. Um, bad is a tricky like, place for them to be. I would agree with you. I think the Herb Jones well, thing. Like, okay, it's, the Herb Jones thing to me, just to to jump on that, because I think people underestimate what his absence has meant. Because I think that a lot of people have this uh, idea of the Pelicans where it's like. Well, they're, they're chock full of wings, right? They can throw everybody at you. They got Najee Marshall. They got Trey Murphy. They've got Dyson Daniels, who's now obviously one of the people that's hurt. And then obviously Brandon Ingram. But I think they need specifically what Herb Jones does. He's the best athlete of that group. He has the best length of that group, I think, relative to his size. And just the hustle, the physicality that he plays with, all that stuff. That's not replicable. I don't trust Dyson Daniels in the playoffs. I don't think he's quite at that level yet. Najee Marshall, not as reliable. Shooting is a question mark for both guys. And then Trey Murphy, I just don't think he's at the same level as an athlete. I think he's kind of a, a way different player. I don't really like when people group him in the same way. He very valuable in his own right, very deep range and all that stuff. But the wing depth that has been a strength of them, I think it starts to crumble a little bit if Herb Jones isn't out there. And so we look at when Zion going to be ready how will Brandon Ingram look so far? Not good. But I think Herb Jones is also quietly a pretty important one too. And, and you're talking about three players who have missed quite a bit of time from their probably closing lineup. It's, it's, it's just really hard. They have a lot to figure out after this all-star break. Brendan, I'm just looking, so I'm looking at this. I can't stop staring at this, their offensive rating in the last two weeks on cleaning the glass. 104.5. That is 12.2 worse than the league average over that stretch. That is 4.1 points per 100 possessions worse than the Houston Rockets. Okay. That is yeah. like astoundingly bad. Yep. Like I, the Grizzlies like funk is like one thing, obviously. And like their offense has been kind of in the last couple weeks as well. This is like. This is like just like. By far the worst team in the league in offense the last two weeks. They have the. Somehow, like there's a the only there's a team with a worse point differential than them over the last two weeks, which is astounding. That's the San Antonio Spurs. Congratulations to you, San Antonio. Who's Can I read you their starting lineup from the last game, though? I, look, I'm I'm just saying I'm staring at these numbers, and it's just like cleaning the glass has like blue or orange based on where you are, and it's like a lot of dark blue, and that's bad. This is yeah. like, like yeah. what I don't even know if you're David Griffin and you look at these last two weeks, how much should that even color what you're doing? Are you playing the long game still, you know? No, it, it yeah. can't color what you're doing, but I think it, it it just reinforces how important it is to at least have two of the three of McCollum, Ingram, and Zion available. Otherwise, you're probably not going to win the game. 
And yeah, it's a question mark. I mean, I, I just think when you're looking at even the first round of the playoffs, I know that they pushed the Suns last year with Ingram and, and McCollum both playing at a pretty high level and the Suns going through some a little bit of a funk. I don't even know if I feel as good about them to do that this year because those, I don't want to put McCollum in that group, but Ingram now also having question marks. He's just not looked very good since he's come back. I don't know. I don't know. We're, 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 we're just saying the same thing in a lot of different ways. I think, which is that they're very hard to read. They need to get a lot figured out. It makes it very hard to make decisions at the trade deadline. And they were already probably going to be one of the teams of the upper echelon back when they were in that spot in the conference that was going to have the most question marks. Now there's even more question marks and they're unlikely to have home court advantage or some of those built-in structural benefits that they might've had if they finish as the three seed, for instance. It's it's an uphill battle to say the least for them right now. Just just tell us the starting lineups and let's move on to prediction. The starting lineup from the last game was Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Najee Marshall, and Jonas Valanciunas. Could anyone win Holy with crap. that team? If you're playing oh. like the Spurs or the Rockets, sure, yeah, but yeah. like obviously maybe not. They have that again. Their offensive rating <laughs> is four towards the Houston Rockets. Last two, and Giannis the dropped fifty like, on their head. So in thirty minutes, in thirty minutes, in thirty minutes. So that's where they are right now. Let's give our predictions, Chris. Yours, I'm looking at our outline. Have the <laughs> phrase "absolutely no confidence" in all in capital caps. letters in all caps. Yeah. So with that all, know, with like that lovely way. intro, tell us where you're at. Look, the West is chaotic. It just is. And it's going to be the playoffs are going to be about seeding and, and nuttiness. And like, there's a certain team we didn't talk about that I'm just like, you could you could convince me that they like maybe just like a certain like legend gets them into to the certain place. And we'll leave it at that. Here's my picks as of right now. The Warriors, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Grizzlies. That That's where I'm at. And you could convince, you could convince me of a lot of the other teams we talked about today. I mean, like, like not picking Luca feels weird. Not picking the Suns feels a little bit weird. I just go Warriors track record. I go Nuggets because of Jokic. I go the Clippers just like, I just kind of, just the way the Kawhi, if Kawhi's going to end up playing a bunch and Paul George does and they make a good trade, that's it. And then the Grizzlies, I just, I really, really like. Right now, if things just were chalk in the, in terms of the standings that going into the playoffs, we would have in the first round, Denver, New Orleans. Well, Memphis. assuming playing, you have to remember. You have to, yeah, well, I'm just saying, if we yeah. just take the top eight seats. Fight, Denver, New Orleans. Fighting fight Timberwolves, my I guy. I don't what have any interest here? in talking about the Timberwolves. That, that can be a, a later conversation. Anthony Edwards is the only player on the Timberwolves as far as, I, as I'm concerned. And Kyle Anderson. Shouts to Kyle Anderson, their point guard, and should be the MVP of the NBA. The Memphis Grizzlies would play the <laughs> Phoenix Suns okay. in the first round. You would have Oof. Kings Mavericks, which we talked about. I think the Mavs would win that. Yeah. And then Clippers Warriors. Clippers so, Warriors in the first round would be delicious. I, bloodbath, I would like, I would like, like that. I would like I would kind of like that though. Give me give it to me. No matter what we get, outside of maybe the Kings getting the short end of a stick in, in some way, it's gonna be craziness. Like the West playoffs, we've been saying this for years, but a lot of the time it was players weren't healthy. Kawhi's back, Jamal Murray's back. All that, these guys, uh, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun no matter what. My final four, I actually have three uh, that are the same as you, Chris. The Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Grizzlies. We're in, we're in agreement on. I'm being a homer. You were a homer in the last one. I guess yeah, it's my that's turn. Right. Uh, I have the Suns. 
but I have that with an anticipation that they will make a move and that they will make, that they'll be a better team come playoff time than they are right now. I think if I didn't have the Suns, if you told me that they weren't able to get a, a really important, valuable trade done, I would probably tell you, oh man, this is really tough. I might go Pelicans just because Oof, after, I think... After everything we just said, after everything we just said about the Pelicans. After everything we said, but with the caveat that we did discount a lot of the recent stuff as much as we were clowning it. I think if you get Zion, Ingram, and CJ, if we ever get the full healthy version, I think that that offense could be pretty sick and overpowering enough that they could beat a Clippers. They could beat a Grizzlies. I, I don't know, but I, I would put them there. They're going to have that uphill battle, though, and so that's that's in the end why I'm not going to pick them. A lot of the teams in the bottom of the conference, I know the Suns are right now, too, but again, assuming they make a move and get better, that would be my pick to get out of the bottom, and that's where I'm left. But, man, we're talking about two teams that are in the play-in contention and then the two top teams in the conference and then you have the clippers who are right there in the middle we, we there's no we, we did not go chalk at all in this one like we did in the east no um if i asked i asked you like i or i said at the beginning i should say um that i have the nuggets right now as my favorite to get out of the west do you have someone that you would you would say right now if i like you know made you yeah I <laughs> I lean I actually think like the name that I wanted to say when you asked me was the Grizzlies because I actually do buy the Danny Green stuff and I think Desmond Bain can now that he's back if he can just stay on the floor he keeps missing games I think he can develop into more of that threat that I, I said I want to see from him and if you're telling me a closing lineup is Ja, Bain, Green Jaron and Adams. I like that five probably the best outside of the Warriors and they have their own question marks. So uh, if it, it, if I'm not picking the Nuggets just for the sake of having a different opinion than you, I, I'm going to go Grizzlies or Warriors, but I'll probably lean Grizzlies for right now. I don't think that's unfair. My top three would be in some order Memphis, Denver, and Golden State. Can't wait for the playoffs. This side, this side the of, the, of the first, and then we well. get like a little all. <laughs> I get to take like a nap on All Star Weekend, sure. you know. No, you got it. You're gonna have what four guys? How many Cavs are gonna make it? No, 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 no. I'm I think Mitchell might be the only one. <laughs> Mitchell might be the only one. I had I heard I had Ramona Shelburne voted uh, Mitchell and Garland as starters. Did you hear that? Garland, I think should. Yeah, I haven't seen Garland on like any other ballots though. But even though I kind of think he he's been like really good of late, I kind of think he should should be like very seriously in there, but. Uh, Evan Moby's Evan Moby's on uh, All Star Saturday night. Don't think he's going to make the actual All Star game. Of uh, Mitchell on Sunday, and other than that, I think I'm going to have a pretty late weekend. And I get to be at home. Last year Not I was time. like out and about. Sh- Look, I get to like you know. Last year I had like schmoozing. It was good to see people, but like I you know, not doing that in Utah. Maybe like. If it comes back to Cleveland, I'll be happy to do it again. Or if it goes to Phoenix, I'll I'll be like, hey, Brendan, what's up? 
We have a bedroom for you. Um, yeah, Mitchell should do that's the dunk contest. Up. That's my that's my last thought on that. But all right, that'll wrap us up for today. Folks. Never, never happen. Never happening. Never no, it's, happening. It's, it's not going to happen. Thank you will to Aaron Jake Stevens. Gor- wait, 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 yes. wait. Will Aaron no, Gordon we do? Will Eric Gordon should Aaron Gordon do it if he makes if he gets on the All Star team? Is that enough reason to put him on the on an All Star team just to see him do the dunk contest? It's not enough reason to make him an All Star, but it, it, on his end, it's definitely a good enough reason to do the dunk contest. Okay. Fair enough. I think if I'm him, I do it. If I'm a voter, am I going to be like, I just want to see some sick dunks on Saturday. I'm going to vote for him. No, that would be that would be silly to me. But a big thank you to Jake Stevens for producing the show. As always, everybody subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and here on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel. Hit that, that bell down below. Follow us at Just B-Ball Fans on TikTok, at Just Basketball Show on Instagram, and at Just B-Ball Show on Twitter. We will be back next week unless anything insane happens. That'll be Monday and Wednesdays going forward. So keep it right here. We'll talk to you next week.